When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, and I'm Kat Napsog for another edition of the show that goes in to the lessons, moments, and all the things we love about Game of Thrones, World of Ice and Fire, Westeros, Essos, and beyond. We're looking back, we're looking in, we're looking ahead, and I want to thank you all for continuing this journey here on Casterly Talk. We're going to get right to it this time around. I'm going to start with the quote of the week, which will lead to our, I'll say scene of the week, but I'm not just limiting myself to one ever, and who knows, maybe there's a week I, I can't play scene. I, I don't want to lock myself in. You know, I want to be like Tyrion. I want to figure things out on the fly. Actually, Tyrion was pretty planned out at times, right? Yeah, I don't know. Shut up, Ken. Let's read the quote of the week. The quote of the week as selected from our friends who don't know me at <laughs> Wiki of Ice and Fire, is this some Sir Goodwin to Brienne of Tarth. It's from A Feast for Crows, Chapter 9, Brienne 2. Sir Goodwin says, Men will always underestimate you, and their pride will make them want to vanquish you quickly. Let it be said that a woman tried them sorely. Let them spend their strength in furious attacks whilst you conserve your own. Wait and watch, girl. Wait and watch. Now, we're taking that quote out of context, but I just just love that as part of Brienne of Tarth's character, her painful past, at times her painful future. And we will absolutely at another time go in deeper on the why of Brianna Tarth in the show. And there's still much more to come in the books. In fact, if you have not gotten to A Feast for Crows on your book read and you're a Brianna Tarth fan, get ready. Saddle up. A lot of great Brianna Tarth stuff in there. And uh, I understand why a lot of it didn't make the show. Feast for Crows is an interesting read. Again, if you haven't got there, uh, we will we will we'll have to take take some dives in there as we can. I have actually on the show an older episode read some of the stuff on on Cersei, and it was great for me to go back to a Feast for Crows because I'd read it once and then I've just sort of, sort of been pecking at it. I got to tell you, since I 
since I moved to this uh, studio uh, almost a year ago this week. Oh my gosh, time she flies. I haven't, uh, I haven't, I put Feast for Crows up in the box, moved. It's on the shelf. I got to pull out, pull it out again and pick up where I was. A lot of Star Wars books to read in my life, but I, I wasn't doing a full, like, let me reread a Feast for Crows. I didn't put that pressure on myself. I just, I just started pecking at it. It would, it would be on a coffee table. Pick it up. Read a chapter here. Read like sometimes a page. Uh, you know, and again, Feast for Crows is a little bit different. Um, so different that George Feldy had even kind of addressed that directly to the to the readers. Uh, and uh, there's, I don't know, on the Brienne stuff, it just it meanders a bit. It's it's a lot longer. The story's a lot longer than it is on the show. And I enjoy where they took the character. If if Dan and Dave don't take Brienne in the direction that they do, we don't get her and the Hound. We don't get that fight. We don't get that relationship. We don't get that what that means to Arya Stark. And we don't get what that means to Brienne and Brienne of Tarth. This quote, which is very, not just from the books, but it's book heavy it's it's about her story but it does translate to the show and it just made me think of still one of the greatest scenes in all of game of thrones season eight episode two it's this one i think you know where i'm going so brienne of tarth defeated the hound pardon me lady brienne she's not the sir you're not the knight women can't be knights why not Tradition. Fuck tradition. I didn't even want to be a knight. I'm no king, but if I were, I'd knight you ten times over. You don't need a king. Any knight can make another knight. I'll prove it. Kneel, Lady Brienne. Do you want to be a knight or not? Kneel. Arise, Brienne of Tarth. 
Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. The applause, the applause, the applause. Man, I love that scene. I love everything it means. And hey, I play, it's an audio show. I get it. We're, uh, the, you're hearing the crackling of the fire. You're not seeing the, the imagery, but we all, we all know the scene. And when you read that uh, quote, when you read that quote again, men will always underestimate you, and their pride will make them want to vanquish you quickly. That's Jamie Lannister at the beginning of their journey. And I know Jamie Lannister, Sir Jamie Lannister, he's a knight. Don't take that away from him. You got it, Stannis. And now, Sir Brienne of Tarth. Where their story goes, I know is a point of frustration. I don't take away that frustration or, or intend to take that frustration from anyone. That's part of Jamie's journey, though. Part of Jamie's journey, part of his undoing, part of his end. But it doesn't change to me who he became, who he might have always been, who was buried beneath. Which is why it's touching to me and fitting that Brienne can overcome the pain and anger, hurt, frustration, sadness that she was dealt uh, from Jamie Lannister at the end of their journey. That is painful. It should be in a way. But I like that she was able to move past it. Brienne deserved and deserves love if that's what she chooses to have in her life, right? Unless she's not too busy hacking down all the bad guys in the land and defending the innocent. And a lot of us were rooting for Jamie and Brienne. I was too. I love that scene when it starts to happen, you know? There's a lot of cheering in our house. But Brienne of Tarth, more than perhaps anyone in this story, is is a knight. She is everything it's supposed to be. A knight is supposed to be. It's supposed to do. It's supposed to think. It's supposed to act. And all the way through, she is. Game of Thrones is loved. George R. R. Martin's The Song of Ice and Fire is heralded for its shades of gray. It's complicated layers. I... When you stop and think about it, I, I I don't think Brienne has those complicated layers. She is she complex? Yes, absolutely. She's a living, breathing character within the story. Is there shades of gray? I mean, she does things that needs to be done, I guess. But I don't think there's a lot of gray there. Brienne was born with amazing size, impressive skills, and a great heart. She was born into a land in which men will always underestimate her. She knows that. She's living proof of that. The pranks, the horrible one pulled on her that Renly had brought Renly into her life early on, which created that bond and affection, and maybe even at times, uh, I'd say a healthy infatuation with Renly, a protective one at least. Um, she knows it all too well. She had the armor on. She needed to have the armor on. And maybe it's perhaps because Jamie, or, or excuse me, Bran, never thought she could be a knight. I mean, tradition would dictate. And as our good friend Tormund Giantsbane, who deserves his own episode on Casterly Talk, and we'll get that as well. But as Tormund says, fuck tradition. God, I love Tormund's giant, Tormund Giantsbane. He is just so awesome. <laughs> and he is 
in a way because he brings that outsider perspective, that free folk perspective down south. He is sometimes, to me, the eyes and ears of the audience. You know, in writing and putting together stories, there's often the point of view characters. Uh, a little bit, it's sometimes I'll, it's in Star Wars, Luke Skywalker. Sometimes it's it's Ray from from a certain point of view. It's that that person, the hero's journey. It's their call. They go in and they're entering the strange new world, and that we follow them around and everything that we as an audience experience or think. Uh, maybe we see it through their eyes. Well, to me, Tormund shows up. And he starts seeing the land and the worlds, uh, the seven kingdoms, as uh, kind of they are. You know, they're, they're mired in all these traditions. They're mired in these old ways. There's great honor and respect to be had and found in all that. And I don't take that away from, I don't want, want to take that away from anyone in the seven kingdoms. But, and Tormund, and I think Tormund respects a lot of that too. He comes to respect it, uh, the power and, and uh, the structure and, and what they're fighting for, for sure, right? But it's these little things. And, and so, and this character who also has quite the infatuation with Brienne over time, yes, we know. He's us looking at Brienne, going, yeah, nuts to all that. You are a knight. Brienne was always a knight. And I think because she felt she couldn't be a knight, she just carried on being herself. And being herself is what carried her to this point. She did wait and watch. She had to wait and watch. And she did at times let them spend their strength in furious attacks. And when she needed to strike back, she did. We talk about Brienne's win-loss record. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it's got big names on it. Oh, okay, you want to say she beat Jamie when he was tired and beaten up with one arm behind his back? Uh, you know, from a certain point of view. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. Yeah, that's all right. That's true. She still got the win. She still was going to win. The Hound, she bested him on a vicious fight. Still one of my favorite. One of my favorites, uh, for sure. Uh, Anyways, you know where I'm going with this. I don't need to really belabor this. And I'd love to go into the story of Brienne and the why of Brienne a little bit uh, later on, some point in Casterly Talk. But I just saw this quote, and it moved me in a way, because this was said to Brienne at a point in the book story, and, and we'll see where it goes. Does this, and this this will be interesting to me. This will be interesting to me. As much, we're going to talk a little bit in the second half of the show, a little bit more season eight criticisms and, 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 and whatnot. We don't like to focus on that too much, but there's some interesting calls about that coming up. But again, I hear a lot. Uh, when the show went away from the books, it, it, it did this, it did that. And, and there's some some valid stuff in there. There's some misfires. There's always going to be. But let me ask you this, book readers. What happens when we get the next book? What happens if, you know, hopefully pretty quickly right after we get the seventh book, right? What happens if we finish all those? And we're fulfilled in a lot of ways. George told his story and told a great one. But what's going to happen? We're already past the Brand versus Hound. We don't have that in the books. Got it. Maybe it comes later, but most likely not. What happens when Brienne isn't knighted by Jamie? No, again, she could. 
And hey, maybe in the books they end, they end up happy ever happily ever after. And then and then hey, that'll make a lot of, a lot of people happy. But what happens? What if we ask what ifs? Looking back, let's let's ask what if ahead. What if Brienne is not nice? What if this scene that tugged on the heartstrings of so many people are watching this the first time? Tears in my eyes. Like I said, applause. Grace and I were applauding in the house, but also eyes were were wet, man. And one of my favorite moments in and and rewatching it here as as I played it for you all tonight. You, you didn't get to see it. Uh, she's uncertain of of what's going on, right? Jamie's he's right. Everyone knows he's right, but he even says, "Hey, let, let's prove it. Let's prove. It. I'll prove it to him." And she just no. She's she's been told her whole life, not just that men will underestimate you, that you cannot be this. Renly putting her in his king's guard was whoa. What you talking about? You know, by the way, she beat Loris in that scrimmage, right? Yeah. I love that she looks to Pod. She looks over to Podrick. And he gives her a subtle nod. Yeah. Yeah, do this. Yeah, this can happen. And yes, take this. You deserve this. Jon Snow is complicated. I'd say he's pretty good all the way through. Yeah, not a lot of shades of gray to me until the end. And even then, I wouldn't call those shades of gray. Put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that in a second. Brand of Tarth. From beginning to end, a true knight. And I love that it builds up to this moment. So, hey, this might be show only. And that's going to be okay if it is. I'm looking forward to George telling his story any way George wants to tell it mind you. But hey, let's look back on this moment and just be thankful that we got to experience it. We got to see it. We got to feel it. Call here from Nick. Hey, Ken. Uh, My friend and I have been debating which character is more honorable between Ned Stark and Jon Snow. And while that doesn't really have a clear-cut, interesting answer, uh, it did get me to thinking about some of the decisions that Jon makes throughout the show and how Ned might have reacted to those decisions. Uh, Obviously, Jon Snow tries very hard to live up to the code of honor that his father kind of set up for him. But I can see Ned maybe not being really okay with some of the decisions that Jon makes. Uh, Letting the wildlings be on the wall, kneeling to a Targaryen queen, and then obviously the biggest one is killing Daenerys, which mirrors the decision that Jaime makes that Ned is very vocally opposed to and reminds him of several times. So at the end of the day, what do you think Ned would think of Jon Snow and the decisions that he has made in the name of honor. Thanks. Wow, Nick, that's a great one. I've been sitting on this one for a bit. And these are one of the ones that I, gosh, when Andres and, and Rachel and Lon and, and others can come on the show and, and we can do this in a more in-person roundtable kind of discussion, I, I'd love to talk about this one more. But yeah, the, the um, I have to answer, answer these ones on gut decisions. I, I didn't write down a long list of John's Big decisions. Again, I, I think John is a pure of heart kind of character, and he obviously clearly gets that from Ned in a lot of ways. Ned is honor. His reputation is honor, which is why it hurts. It, it, it well, it hurts Catelyn, but it, you know, it hurts Catelyn to think that Ned, the one time he didn't keep his honor, was resulted in Jon Snow. 
but uh, it even it, it just even provides more honor for us, the audience, uh, in our eyes, uh, for, for Ned Stark. But he's stubborn. He's stubborn to a fault. He's perhaps honorable to a fault. I mentioned this the other day on a Force Center episode, talking about some Star Wars stuff. And I, uh, when I'm there, I cross over to Game of Thrones. When I'm here, I cross over to Star Wars. It's just the way of it. Um, but the, the, the moment later on in the show uh, where Tyrion it just kind of turns to John is like, have you ever thought about lying? <laughs> it reminds me of, of some of the stuff with Ned. Always got himself into trouble because he just was too damn honorable. But John, I think, to me, did learn the game a little bit. And as, as far as the big decisions, would Ned have approved of letting the wildlings be, become free folk south of the wall? I, I think on the surface there might have been a part of him that would have said no. Ned has honor, but in that honor means he respects traditions. Benjamin Stark is... is I would call him a pretty honorable character. He he probably wouldn't agree with it. You know, maybe the Benjamin Stark at the end, the Cold Hands version of Benjamin Stark might might uh, have something different to say about that. But the Benjamin we meet in, in season one definitely would have been like, no, we're up there to, to fight these people and keep them south of all. That's part of our purpose, as well as the other things. I think Benjamin was a believer in the other things uh, as they started to emerge. If Ned had taken the black, had been able to take the black, and he gets up there and he's faced with a similar decision, I don't know if on the surface he would. But at the end of the day, this is where my mind goes, Nick, with this question, and and, and this is probably going to be an ongoing conversation. I'd love to hear some thoughts uh, from all of you out there on what you think about what Ned would think. I think the thing that we learn in the first episode, you know, the man who, who carries the sentence should swing the sword, right? He who he who's, who condemns someone to death should do it. Whether you agree with it or not, Danny, Daenerys, our sweet, sweet Khaleesi, our mother of dragons, a character I want to remind everyone, I love a lot. Any frustrations I felt with Danny, particularly season four, five, and six, and Marine and kind of messing about, uh, those frustrations came out of because I had such high hopes for her as a, as a character in a, in a story, as if she was real, right? You're, you, let's be honest. We watch these shows. It's as if it's a real history unfolding in front of us, and I'm here rooting for her, and she started doing some things that I wasn't sure about. I say that, again, to just remind everyone I do really like that character a lot, man. And and am not done talking about Daenerys in season eight or Daenerys overall. But she, for better or worse, was condemned to die. Her actions were deemed wrong. Inappropriate, which is a nice way to say it. And there had to be some sort of punishment. So... Jon Snow, in one of the final big acts of the show, does exactly what he learned from his father, essentially, in an episode one. He made the ruling 
the sentence. You can condemn someone to die. Swing the sword. I think at the end of the day, Ned Stark might disagree here and there on things. Might question it. I think he do exactly what John suggested to to Stannis and and and, and keep Mance around and not kill Mance Raider. But at the end of the day, I think Ned will look at him and go, "You've you've done everything with honor, and it might be your honor, which makes me respect you even more, Jon Snow. But you've done it all with honor. But unfortunately." Ned's not around to back me up or disagree with me. But I want you all to join in on that conversation. It's a good, good conversation starter. So let me know. We're going to take a quick break when we reset on the other side. Spend a couple minutes talking about Season 8, criticisms, feelings about that, and what it did to us with some great calls. So stick around. This is Casterly Talk. It's time, baseball fans. The new podcast feed, Box Score Heroes, has arrived. This is the new home of the show, Behind the Bag, with Kat Napsok and Tom Dagnino. And is also the place to find shows like The Legends of the Wax Packs, the only baseball power rankings you need, and My Favorite Baseball, a nostalgic look back at the game we all love, and more. Find the podcast feed on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Box Score Heroes is your podcast home for everyone with a a passion for all things baseball. Hey y'all, what's going on? This is Kojak. I create music that can be found both on YouTube and SoundCloud, and now I'm a recent streamer on Twitch. So if you're looking for some chill instrumentals, check me out on YouTube and SoundCloud under KOJQ. And for some laughs, you can check my Twitch page under KO underscore JQ. Everyone, please be safe and thank you. Hey, it's Alden Diaz here to tell you about Octo Radio. It's an interview show that I do exploring the different passionate Star Wars perspectives from artists, writers, crafters, and even other podcasters, plus even some people straight from Lucasfilm. So you can come hang out on my podcast island and celebrate the Star Wars ties that bind us together. Oh yeah, what the pork said. You can follow us everywhere on social at A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's Octo Radio. And follow me at A-D underscore Strider. And we're back here in Casterly Talk, episode 70 of the show that used to be called Daily Thrones. Man, I, I have somewhere, I forget how many episodes I actually did. I, I, you could find on the feed, scroll back. I do have a, I have a Google Doc, a Google Sheet, actually, where I put every single episode of Daily Thrones every day. I'd go in and log it because I had to kind of, it was kind of a time card for, for when I was doing the work for Anchor. Um, it was, I was, I kept having to add cells to the sheet. It was awesome. I do kind of miss doing it daily. It, it there'd be days, there'd be days because I had I I had to do I I don't work I, I my podcast is on Anchor now, but I don't 
I don't work for Anchor like I did on Daily Thrones. They, they'd hired me. I was compensated by Anchor to do Daily Thrones. And then lost that gig two weeks after I lost the Collider full-time gig. Life, man, life. Anyways, there was times. I remember one time I was at a movie theater. I had to, like, get something in. I, I came out of a, a screening. It was, like, 11.55. And from midnight to midnight, I had to get, like, 10, 10 minutes of broadcasting in. And I had to stand there on my phone recording some some rambling Game of Thrones thought to like 11.59 and 58 seconds. I had enough time to upload it. Oh, man, I miss those uh, those days. But uh, Casterly Talk came back on the same feed simply because of all of you and your calls and your thought starters and the old standbys, those names like Eric Monroe and Alden Diaz call in and, and contribute. And some of the newer names recently... Nick, Addy, stepping up, coming in with some great stuff. It's been a lot of fun, and we're not done yet. And now I want to play this call from an old listener, a name I know, but I think I do believe the first time I've seen this name pop up on this call list. Here's Alex. Uh, but what say you? Thanks, Ken, as oh, always. Sorry. I'm recording the show live to tape, and that's the end of the call. Let's try again. Hey, Ken. Always a pleasure to listen in and watch your lovely content. Um, I just wanted to know your thoughts about the criticism relating to David and Dan not knowing what they were doing or that they didn't care about developing Season 8. For me, I left satisfied and had conflicting emotions, which definitely reflects what Game of Thrones is, in my opinion. And the season's up there for me with Season 1. It's definitely ranked high up there. Uh, But what say you? Thanks, Ken, as always. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. So I... It's funny when this question, uh, when I was listening to this off air about uh, my calls, and by the way, I, I said this recently. I want to, I want to let it know. A lot of you have called in with some great calls. Uh, some of you call in with with two or three great calls at a time. And I used to maybe just kind of run through the calls weekly as I got them, taking the calls on the fly. Uh, sometimes hearing them for the first time on air, and that's fine. Off the cuff is is a way to go for me most of the time. I, I I've been trying to curate a little bit better so i'm better prepared to discuss what's going on in the show so when i was listening to this one off air you know i saw oh it's like oh cool alex uh cory's called in i know him from my discord my patreon page and all that stuff and then he, it, the, the message starts what do you think about the season eight criticism and i kind of went ah oh, you know i've talked about this a lot but then he get it goes with this wonderful narrow focus question specific to the criticism that uh, benny off and weiss uh david and dan Lost their way, didn't care, just rushed through, didn't care about developing season eight. And what do I think about that? I will try not to get angry, all right? Um, I refute that on, on almost any level. You'd have to produce some notarized transcript backed up by audio with video of them in a writer's room saying, eh, F this shit, we're done. Let's wrap this up. Let's go make a Star Wars. Oh, wait. Let's go make a Netflix movie, right? I don't know them directly. I've never met them. I do know a few people in this town that have. And nary a bad word has been said about them. Now, not everything they've done before Game of Thrones, and a lot was made of their inexperience before getting it. Uh, but they've done a lot of things in this town. Uh, and not all good, not all bad. But um, a script for a movie, even especially a superhero movie, is, uh, you know, was Benioff was involved with the bad, the bad, the bad Wolverine one, right? <laughs> that could be so many things. That can be so many things. Uh, screenwriters 
hardly ever at fault for what goes wrong in movies. And they never get the credit when it goes right. Unless, you, you know, the golden age of superstar screenwriters, there's still some names. But there used to be time when I was coming up in the 90s, like, you, there was, as, just as they're like, are superstar directors more now? There's always been superstar directors, don't get me wrong. But now the industry often is sometimes, I hear people say the movie industry is kind of not based around movie stars. It's based around IP franchises, we know that, but also the directors. The, the directors' names get people to the theaters, allegedly. I'm not going down that. I'm long removed from my movie talk days, thank God. That said, there was superstar screenwriters in the 90s, and maybe they had more to say with the success or failure of the movies than, than later on. TV is different, and the showrunner is king, a term that's always been around but didn't become popular until the last 10, 15 years of, of people knowing what a showrunner is, or at least what they think it is. I, I've heard some people say, I want to move to L.A. and become a showrunner. Okay, there's a lot of steps before that. And I don't want to go down that road of... Benny Hoff and Weiss getting a, a just like their couple podunk rookies that stepped into a, a, a stadium and someone said, cool, you, you get to manage the team. That's not what happened. So because of that, I, I do reject the idea that they didn't care. I believe when you hear them talk, and we talked about this uh, recently, uh, you know, Ari Stark, Kenlin, and Night King. Again, whether you agree with it or not, I'm fine with those discussions. I can have those discussions. I can have them in Star Wars, too. I just do tend to have to control my dark side if the thought is, well, they just threw that together. When they've clearly said, oh, yeah, we had that plan a while out. We thought about that. And, and plans change, and plans should be written in pencil, pencil when you're putting a lot of things together. But a show like this, I think they knew. They knew where they were getting now, the debate on the, the final few seasons being a little shorter uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the episode run and HBO saying, you know, well, we, we would have taken 10. And, and I remember some of those uh, stories used against Benioff and Weiss of like, see, HBO would have gone to 10. They didn't want to do it. HBO, I love that network. All right. It's, I, you know, I've been watching it. For a number of years, big Kirby Enthusiasm fan, Veep, whatever, you know, Boardwalk Empire, I'm there for their quality content. But they're here to make money. And four more episodes of Game of Thrones in the final season makes them more money. And by the way, I'm good with that. I'm a free market guy to a degree. All right. Don't take me down too far a path that you might think I might be on by saying that. All right. Make your money. And I don't fault anyone for making money. What you do with the money, uh, you know, hey, you know, maybe try to help out there with once in a while. But HBO as a company, as an entity, they want to make the money. So, of course, they're going to say, now, it's cynical, but of course they're going to say, uh, well, we, we would have done 10 more episodes. It doesn't mean Benny and Weiss were like, nope, we're kind of bored and done. And then you see the documentaries, the behind-the-scenes stuff of season eight in particular, and the one that was released uh, after the show ended which didn't even really focus on them, which I'm glad. It focused on the folks that made this show. It is intense. It's insane. Miguel Sapochnik, go listen to that interview, that long-form podcast that was released a while ago. We talk, and, and you could, There's some stuff in there, some great stuff about him and Benny Alpha Weiss kind of being at odds at times, and he had to gain their trust early on and everything. He wasn't in season seven as a director because he was like, I'm out, I can't, this is too much. And they had to bring him back, and, they, and he was glad to, uh, glad he came back. 
now he's now he's show running uh, House of the Dragon, right? Or part of the show running team. He he was burned, and he did two episodes a season, big ones from season five on, right? Season five, six, and eight. But but he was he was burnt out. And I'm not saying by the way, I'm not saying Benny Alpha Weiss were burnt out and were like, pull the pull the ripcord, we're jumping out of this plane. I still believe, I still believe that they just like, we got our story. We got our beats. We always wanted 70 episodes. They said that from the beginning. We wanted 70. We want 70. They got so what, 73? They got to tell their story. You might not agree with it. And that goes back to the point I'm saying. You might might not like Rise of Skywalker. No, I don't want that start that discussion here, but you might not like it. But to slag off Abrams or Terry or anyone who made that movie, now they just didn't care. They flew through it together. They, they broke glass in case of emergency. That's not the case. It's just not the case. You don't have to like what they did with it or the decisions they made. That's fine. I'll never take that away from you. That's where I get mad, though. And that's where I did get mad a lot in the season eight stuff. Benny Alpha and Weiss messed up. Uh, Lon Harris and I, I don't want to ever, I don't ever speak for Lon Harris, uh, especially right now since it's hard to get us all together for this show. But off camera one time, in the Screen Junkies office, during season eight, he, he we were both kind of sharing this kind of uh, uh, thought of like, What's going on? Why are people just, they're not just hating it. They're just like, they're burning this ship down. And he was like, he just said, I'm paraphrasing, totally paraphrasing. But he was just like, why, why do they think that the team that, that made these great decisions early on, that they don't care or they suddenly lack the skills? And that was part of the conversation, that they were just these dummies, uh, spoiled rich kids, given a head start in the industry, which, you know, by the way, happens a lot, and a lot of people have the success. Yep, that that's a thing. That's a thing. People getting chances is a problem in this town for a lot of a lot of different people and a lot of different reasons, right? Different conversation. But to think that they just were like, Die, we'd like to make a TV show. Can we do dragon swords? And that's the view you had of them in season seven and eight, and 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 that's not the the view you had of them in, in one and two. There's that picture around, and I'll tell you what I think it's kind of funny. There's a picture going around. It pops. I just I saw it recently, but I it was right after season eight ended. Little meme of a horse, right? The horse design. It was like Game of Thrones season one through eight. It was like the first season one, two with this super detailed pencil drawing of a horse's rump. And then by the middle, it's a little less detailed, but it's good. And then, you know, five and six, a little less detailed. And then seven and eight are just like a kid drawing a horsey. You know, that's funny. I do think it's funny. And, and you know, we know not everything was perfect. I get it. I could bring Andres Cabrera on here soon. And he'll, he'll, I just mentioned the words Baelish, and he's going to tell you he loves this show. He hates what they did with Baelish. That's why I love talking with Ace, because he gets it, and he can have intelligent conversations about those kind of things. But he's never going to say, yeah, Benny Applewhite just drew this whole thing in crayon in season seven. That's, Alex, to answer your question, is some of the thoughts I feel. And again, we just mentioned in the first half of the show, Brianna Tarth. Fighting the Hound, her journey, her story, getting knighted, this beautiful scene. That's them. 
Benioff Weiss and, and you know, believe, I don't want to do the Star Wars Filoni thing where everyone gives Dave Filoni every bit of credit and not the the large amount of people around him. Um, that's, but that's also the way. I mean, even with George Lucas, even with a good baseball team, right? It's, it's one person might get too much credit, but that's just life. Deal with it. Um, season two, Tywin, Arya. Them going toe-to-toe. Have you... Have you read The Clash of Kings? Have you read all the Hall stuff in the books? It's great, by the way. It's spectacular. I love Clash of Kings. I think season two, though, which is mostly, you know, based off of Clash of Kings, I think season two of Game of Thrones is just infinitely better than Clash of Kings. I'll say that. I think they were able to go through and edit George's story. No disrespect to George R. R. Martin. I love that guy. And I want him to tell the story differently. It needs to be told differently in the books. But we go to that. That comes up a lot. We talked about the, the, the scene that Addie called about last week. One of her favorite scenes. And she says, yeah, it's, I think it's one of Ken's favorite scenes. Because, you know, she's not saying this. I'm paraphrasing Addie. But, yeah, Ken talks about it every week. Cersei and Robert, season one. That's show only. They knew what they were doing. And every decision, again, I think, if you... Draw out the, the emotional connections and the emotional beats and, and, and the, the, just draw out the story of Game of Thrones. You might not agree with it, but you, and I, I'm not talking about uh, Danny should have been the queen. and edited. I'm talking about those conversations that I love having. We had them recently, you know, the minor changes. Eric Monroe had a great call about that. You know, do you want what Lady Stoneheart, do you want her to show up in the show? And I, I still, yeah, I kind of do. Kind of wish it happened. But when you start looking at all the things they, quote, cut out or they didn't get to. Again, going to, going to the Arya Tywin stuff in Hall season two. Read Clash of Kings if you haven't. Get to it. Read the books in order. Don't, jo- don't go to Feast for Crows, Clash of Kings, uh, based on conversations I've had on this show today. But go to Hall. Great stuff. A lot of brotherhood without banner stuff. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of that stuff going on. Bloody mummers, all that kind of stuff. Whole subplot. It wouldn't work on a TV show. It would not work. So they knew that. That's why I talked about the why of Jon Snow. Go back and catch up that uh, with that episode. And they knew where they wanted to go with the character. They knew they. John needs to end up walking north with the free folk. That's his journey. He's not the man, the boy who would be king and the chosen hero who gets to get all the victories and and take the throne and be the king and we all bow and yippee frickin' skippy. No, that's not the story. That's not John's story. That's not the why of Jon Snow, and they knew that. They knew that. Some of the ends, some of the strings, yeah, I get it. Baelish, Varys... Even Jorah, for me, uh, well, actually, his, his ending is beautiful, but even, you know, the, the grayscale, and it wraps up kind of quick, and I'm, yeah, yeah. But they, they cut out the chuff because they knew they needed to. That's what it is to produce a show. That's what it is to produce a movie. That's what it is to write. Deleted scenes in movies. You have to make tough cuts because you have to make the story flow. You have to connect it, and they knew everything about that. They knew what they wanted to do, and that's why, as you can hear, uh, I wasn't expecting to get this passionate about it. Please send hate mail to me here. All right. 
Final one of the day. I swear we're, we're going to get out of here kind of quick tonight. I swear, I swear, I swear. This is from uh, old caller, old friend, Billy. Hey, Ken, it's Billy. I just wanted to call in because I'm halfway through your Robert Baratheon episode, and you were talking about how you thought about you know, giving up the show. Is it is it worth still talking about Game of Thrones now that the series is over and it's kind of in a limbo state, at least for right now? And I just want to call in and say that I'm so happy that you continued – producing and making this show i absolutely love it the the negativity around the series ending really got to me and i had to take a break i had all your episodes saved up and now i'm going through them listening to them i love the new changes that you're making with the quote of the day and the clips and i just wanted to send a little message of support and let you know that i'm really grateful for everything you've done and every all the listeners and on the fan base of this show just keeping the spirit alive and absolutely love it and can't wait to call in some more and continue the discussion. So cheers. Cheers to you, Billy. I, I really appreciate that call. Yeah. Billy's been calling since the daily throne days and always great stuff. He's got a couple of the calls in the hopper here. We'll, we'll be talking about it and, and very knowledgeable about the, about the book stuff. And I always keep saying, I want this podcast to go a little bit more in the book stuff at times. We'll probably might be doing a, uh, maybe a, a character of the week uh, along with the quote of the week that's maybe more of a book-heavy character. Uh, the stuff with Thomas Rizzling on Fire and Blood. Can't wait to get Thomas back on here to keep going with that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, that was part of where I wanted to take this podcast. But I think, too, I kept going. I kept going because it's hard to stop once you feed the monster of, of podcasts and trying to get things going, keep your revenue flow going. You just kind of need, need to keep churning stuff out. And, and I'll admit to you, I, I think Cashley Talk just kind of was... Like I had been knocked off the bicycle, but the bicycle was still going for a little bit, <laughs> you know, and it was starting to weeble wobble. I, I've got my second win. I really want to get into the themes and the lessons of Game of Thrones as best I can. And with my limited brain, we do it on Force Center. I, I'm, I'm lucky to be working with Joseph Scrimshaw, who is a professor of Star Wars, who can see colors in Star Wars that people can't see and... I like to think I know Star Wars pretty damn well, but I learn from him every week. I don't necessarily, you know, this is mostly a one-man show for right now. Uh, the other names that you know are involved with the show will be coming in and out when we can. Reality is I don't like to bring anyone on my shows in studio uh, or, or for, you know, to be like a, a guest on the show uh, if I can't compensate them. And that's just how I do business. And uh, right now, you know, lockdown pandemic, yeah. It's a one-man show right now. Let's just say that. I'm, I, I'm being honest with you all here. I think a lot of you listen to me on Napsack Files, and maybe you're used to my honest, honesty. Some of you might not. Some of you just might know me as a Game of Thrones guy or Star Wars guy, and, and that's where I'm at right now with this is what's me in the show. But I, I'm excited to dive into the lessons and themes of Game of Thrones, to look back and to look into the story and find out the whys, because the why is what keeps us coming back. Like Billy said, yeah, we all kind of got knocked off the horse. It was exhausting. It was tiring. It was painful. It hurt. Yeah, I'd love every episode of Game of Thrones to be loved by the fan base in the way I do. I'd love every Star Wars movie to be loved like like I love it. Or I'm just moved. And maybe some things I don't like, or maybe the movie doesn't hit, hit for me as much as the previous movie or something like that. But but hot damn, I'm crying because I'm, I'm motivated and inspired and I, I see growth that I should be making because of these movies and da, 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 da. And I think Game of Thrones, I really think Game of Thrones can do that just as well. If at times I'll say better, if you hear me out, not better than Star Wars, but just like it's way more real world because of those shades of gray. 
Uh, Star Wars is built on myths, and there's definitely the real world tied into Star Wars, believe you me. But in Game of Thrones, we can connect with some of the stuff a little easier. We can connect with the heartbreak of Brandon Tarth and learn from it and learn from her reactions to it and celebrate the victories she has and, again, be there for the characters during the pain. And, and that's where I'm at with the show. And so, Billy, I, I really did appreciate hearing that call, and I'm happy to play it. It isn't just a, a fluffing me up because, uh, you know, hey, isn't this fun? I, I, I've at times been down in the dumps on uh, doing Casterly Talk. Again, the image, just imagine the image of me riding a 10-speed, getting knocked off, and the bike's kind of still going, but it's... Wee, 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 wee. That's where that's where the show was for a bit. Uh, but I'm happy to say I'm, I'm re-energized and, and looking, at, uh, looking at it, looking at it all. And, I, and pretty soon i got to start my rewatch. Uh, we're doing a project soon over on Force Center. It's going to take a lot of time because it's a full Clone Wars rewatch. I'm, I'm kind of slipping that out. Shh, our little secret. Uh, but I think I kind of want to do that. It's, so I'm overdue for Game of Thrones rewatch now that it's all done and a little time behind me. And I think we'll do that together here, an episode at a time. We'll take our time because I'm not going anywhere. And I hope you aren't either. Follow me at Cadnapsock. Use the hashtag Casterly Talk to join the conversation. Go to Anchor. Go to the Anchor app. Leave a call. Leave a response to that Ned and John question. Uh, leave your reactions, your, your emotions about Brianne being knighted. Just because I talked about it here doesn't mean we're done talking about it in episodes going forward. Appreciate that. And then again, if you've got a call in the hopper, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Always got so many great calls to choose from. You can go to uh, KenNapsock.com, get information on all the things I do, including my uh, new baseball podcast feed, Box Score Heroes. If you're a baseball fan, I'm taking the same spirit of celebration I have for Game of Thrones, Star Wars, and other things, and turning it to baseball, which is something I've loved for a long, long time. Just never talked about it. Part of the reason was Star Wars and Game of Thrones took up most of my time, which I'm very grateful for. But now we're doing it with baseball. Go to Box Score Heroes. It's on YouTube as well, but find it wherever podcasts are found and join the conversation over there, talking baseball. But we'll be back next week talking World of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, the lessons and themes from this world we love. We'll see you next time. Bye.